We're working through our series called To the Ends of the Earth in the book of Acts. The book of Acts highlights the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. The early church begins to be planted. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells believers and they begin to preach the gospel. It begins to grow in Jewish communities and also in non-Jewish or Gentile communities. Last week we talked about an argument that was had between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them. They were going to return and visit some of the churches that they had preached to, that they had witnessed to, and there had been a problem with John Mark before, and Paul did not want to do that. Paul was adamantly opposed to taking John Mark with them. And they end up kind of going their separate ways. Paul goes one way, Barnabas goes another way with John Mark, but we saw that even in the midst of that conflict, even in the midst of sinfulness, that disagreement, that God still works. The result was twice as much missions work was being done. Barnabas and John Mark go to Cyprus. While Paul and Silas go back and return to the churches that they had wanted to visit already. After that point, Acts 15, Barnabas is not mentioned again. We don't know what happens to Barnabas, but Paul continues through the rest of the book. We hear the rest of Paul's story. Paul begins to travel back through Asia. He begins to go back to the churches that he had gone to before. You can see on the map, Paul is returning to Derby, Lystra, Iconium, some of these churches that he did on his first missionary journey, were places he'd already evangelized. In the midst of this, he meets a young man named Timothy. In the midst of ministering in some of these cities, he meets Timothy. Many of you know, later on, Paul will write two books to Timothy, two letters. We know them as 1st and 2nd Timothy. Timothy begins to travel with them. If you know Timothy's history, Timothy's mother was Jewish. His father was a Gentile. But I wanted to talk briefly about a portion that we're not going to cover today. Verses 1 through 5. Paul takes Timothy and has him circumcised. Why would he do that? They just had the Jerusalem council that says that you don't need to be circumcised to be a Christian, but Paul immediately takes Timothy and does that. Paul always preached to the Jews first. He would always go in the synagogues first and preach to the Jewish people. He was returning to the churches that he'd spoken at before, Churches he'd grown. And I think there was a piece of it that Paul did not want to hinder anyone, whether Jew or Gentile, from accepting the gospel. And he saw Timothy's leadership potential 
And he wanted Timothy to be able to do that as well. Paul, in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means... I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul's saying here, the things I'm doing, I'm doing with motives for the gospel. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. What if that was our creed? What was that if it was our mission, our purpose? Becoming all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Paul's focus is the gospel. Paul wants that to be the focus of a young man named Timothy as well. And he doesn't want anything to get in the way of Timothy's message. Any hindrance. So Paul, Timothy, and Silas, this small band of believers, continue to travel and strengthen the churches, continue to preach the gospel and evangelize, but something happens today that causes them not to be able to go places they want to go. Let's read our text this morning in Acts chapter 16. If you have your copy of God's Word, whether it's in print or mobile, I encourage you to get it out and read along. We're going to start in verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. We're going to read through verse 8. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And the way they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're this band of believers and they're trying to preach the gospel. But they're hearing the word no. I don't know about you as a parent or maybe as a kid, you did this to your parents. But you have one kid that comes to you and asks you a question. Hey dad, can we play with Play-Doh? No. And then a few, few seconds later, you hear him in the other room asking the other parent, Hey, can we play with Play-Doh? Now, our house is small enough that they don't really get away with that very often. Stacy, I always heard her, her response was, What did your dad say? <laughs> but we do this, right? We say, Hey, can I do this? And then children try to get away with things. Well, if one parent says it's okay, then it must be okay, right? But Paul and Silas and Timothy, they have heard two no's here. They know God called them to preach the gospel. They're trying to follow God in his call. But they're forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. God says, no, you're not to go to this place. 
And you can see their path. They, they, they begin traveling up and they're not able to speak in Asia here. Then they say, well, maybe we'll go north. We'll go up here towards Nicaea and Bithynia. But Jesus' spirit says, no. No, you're not going to go there. You see the path that they've taken. They're over here in Troas. They come down to Troas, the text tells us. They've come from the east. They tried going north. They tried going south. They're here. They're on the edge of the coast. I would assume they're pretty discouraged at this point. They've heard two no's. Is this the end of their trip? Was this all God wanted them to do? Go back and visit a few of the churches? Do they return to Jerusalem right now? Maybe they would have thought, I guess this is it. Maybe we should just go back. But I think this is a crucial spot in their ministry. I think they come down to Troas and Troas, geographically, anytime they're going down, usually it's, it's mountainsides down into a city, that's especially on the coast. I think they're there physically, but I think emotionally they've come down as well. What are we to do, God? Where are we to go? We're following you, but they're living a bit in the unknown. They're living in the I don't know. I use the phrase, I don't know, a lot. Sometimes I use the phrase because I haven't made my mind up on something. So, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. Right? We all say that. We have to give our mind time to figure things out. Other times I say, I don't know, because I literally have no idea. How do you make a rocket go up to the moon? I don't know. That's rocket science, right? I don't know. When you have small children around, you find out there's a lot that you don't know. They ask questions, especially Ellie. Ellie will ask questions all the time about things. And then you have to figure out how to explain them to a five-year-old. That's hard. Especially when you're not sure you even know the answer. So you learn there's a lot of things that you don't know. We've been living in a state of I don't know for months now. That's hard on us. That's hard on us physically. That's hard on us emotionally. That's hard on us mentally. Having to continually try to adapt and change and alter our minds. Paul and his team had reached a point of unknown. And maybe there's unknown for you right now. What's your unknown? Maybe there's issues with your job. Maybe there's career changes. Maybe the, the changes of having to do work from home. Maybe it's financial troubles right now. Maybe it's health concerns. Maybe there's relationship issues that are causing you to have, I don't know, problems. Living in the unknown. Grief. Not just the loss of a person 
but we've had to grieve a lot over this last six months. I was talking to Stacy just, I think it was Friday, and saying, you know, the amount of things that we didn't do this summer. Normally we go to several fairs, county fairs in the area. We, we do a lot of things. And you look forward to those, and then when you don't do them, there's a grief, there's a loss that you're going through, you're processing. That's an unknown. The changes that we've been encountering, do we do this, do we do that, all of a sudden, events. We weren't able to have the auction, or we're not going to be able to have the auction that would have normally been coming up in a couple weeks here. That's a loss. Something that we're postponing till next year, but still, that's a loss. That's an unknown. So I think this text points out some aspects we need to remember when we're living in the unknown. Aspects we can remember when we're living in the unknown. First one is a no from God may mean a yes later on. A no from God may mean a yes later on. I want to make sure I'm clear here. I'm not saying that if God closes a door, you should try to kick it down. God said no in those two locations geographically, but that's just going to lead you to a whole bunch of trouble. I'm not also saying that every no you get is going to come with a yes. That's not what I'm saying either. What I am saying is that if God closes a door to something you believe he's told you to do, some area he's directed you in, there's probably a yes on the horizon. Not going to be immediate, but there's probably a yes on the horizon. God's not going to ask you to do something and then block you in every step along the way. The areas even where God is telling Paul and Silas and Timothy no, later on go on to be evangelized. But it was not the right timing for them to go there. And God's no in these two directions, as we'll read in a minute, allows them to take their journey in a different direction. A direction that works alongside of God's purpose and plans. Paul does not know the will of God here. He tries to go one direction, God says no. He tries to go the other direction, God says no. He ends up in Troas. But Paul is still following the will of God because he knows, overarching, that the gospel is his clear call. The gospel is his clear purpose in life. Because he became all things to all people that he might win some. In the book of Proverbs, we're given this verse, Proverbs 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. At times, we want to plan our own ways, but it doesn't match up with God's purpose. It doesn't match up with God's plans. The other day, Ellie asked me if she could go out and ride her bike. It was dinner time. I said, no, not right now. Not right now. You can't ride your bike. 
Then after dinner, she said, can I go out and ride my bike? She'd been working on some new skills. She really wanted to show me because I'd been gone. I'd been at work all day. And so came home, and she really wanted to show me these new skills. And I said, no, just wait a few minutes. So I said no to her twice. What she didn't know is I was thinking in my head about, well, maybe we could all go and ride to Bourbon Park together. So I could get on my bike, and Naomi gets on her little tricycle. It's funny watching her pedal because she got shifts back and forth. Ellie gets on her bike with training wheels, and she can go fast now. But I said, yeah, Naomi can go even faster, Um, because everything is a competition. Um, So they didn't know that my first two no's meant something better later on. I said no, then I said no, not, not right now, just wait a few minutes. And then we rode to Bourbon Park. They got to experience more. They got to do more fun stuff because because we got to go as a family on a longer bike ride. It wasn't her just driving around our, our driveway. You see, God's closing doors can feel disappointing. It can feel discouraging, but sometimes it means something better later on. Sometimes his no is a benefit to us. It helps grow us, helps us understand. Verses 9 and 10. Let's read our final two verses this morning. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him. So Paul's having a vision, a dream. In the middle of the night, he sees a man of Macedonia. He's urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I don't know what time of night this was, but it says in in the night, 3 a.m., you ever wake up from a dream in the middle of the night and... You you think it's morning, but it's literally like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. That happens to all of us, right? Paul has this happen in the middle of the night. He sees a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Help us, Paul. Help us. And as he wakes up, he still hears that echo in his mind. All of a sudden, the text tells us immediately... Immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia. Paul, Silas, Timothy, many believe here Luke joins them at this point. Luke, the writer of Acts, this is the first time he uses the term we. So now Luke is joining them on this mission. In the middle of the night, 3 a.m., Paul says, I know where we're supposed to go. The unknown is now known. I know what's supposed to happen. Something miraculous is done. And God uses miracles. God uses the supernatural at times to help us when we're in the midst of the unknown. So God uses miracles sometimes to push us beyond our comforts. God closes doors to Asia and Bithynia. He says no to those two areas. 
It's the work of the Trinity there. I don't know if you caught that, but the Holy Spirit said no. Jesus' Spirit said no. And then Paul sees this vision and it says, in the end of verse 10, they concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, and God, all working to direct Paul and Silas and Timothy and then Luke into their purpose and plan and mission. It pushes beyond our comforts. God uses miracles to move us from the unknown to known. I think there are so many times that God is working and doing things in our lives that we don't recognize it as God working and doing things in our lives. There are times that we are just trying to do things and they just will not work. We had issues with technology this morning. We have, we have issues sometimes like you go out to start your car and you turn the key and nothing happens. We see that as just a physical problem, but is that God saying, no, take your time this morning. I'm trying to keep you out of something. I think there are so many times that God is working, God is doing something, and we don't recognize that. Finally, God uses miracles to allow us to see the open doors. This was very clear to Paul. He saw a man standing in Macedonia. Come help us. Come over here. Many times we do everything we can physically, mentally, or emotionally to try to get ourselves out of issues. To try to get ourselves out of problems. And the thing is a reliance on our own abilities is not going to be enough. We get frustrated when Nothing changes in the process, but the problem is we've left God out of it. The reality is a lot of times God uses the circumstances. He uses the no's in our lives to help teach us and bring us to more reliance on him. I think Paul was traveling in a bit of comfortability. He'd been to these cities already. He'd encountered the problems in these cities. He knew the people in these cities. Cities he'd been to already. Cities in Derby and Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. He'd planted churches in these locations. And then they begin to travel to places they hadn't been in Mycenae and Bithynia, and the gospel was, they couldn't preach it there. God said no. God said, I want you to take the gospel to a different place. Then the gospel begins to spread. But there are times we may be thinking we're doing things for God, but we're only doing those things in our own comfortability. But God intervenes and pushes us out of our, our comfortableness and realigns us to his mission. This is a major turning point for the gospel. The gospel goes from Troas west into Europe. Europe is the first Christian continent. If you look back at history... The closed doors of Paul preaching the gospel 
caused the gospel to spread into Europe, to Africa, to Asia, to Latin America, to the rest of the continents, and to the ends of the earth. This is one of the major steps in that process, though. We don't like living in the unknown. Humanity doesn't like to feel like there's nothing we can do, especially as guys, at least for me, I don't know about you as a guy, but for me, I like to fix things. I like to fix problems. If there's a problem, I want to be able to fix it. If there's a problem, we want to solve it. And human ingenuity has come up with a lot of things. The pyramids. I don't think that was a problem. That was just like, let's see what we can do here. Modern medicine. The things we've been able to do with modern medicine. Flight. Being able to fly like birds. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Apparently the Wright brothers. Go to the moon. Who looked up there and said, yeah, we should go up there. First, things that traveled, vehicles, technology, computers and phones and the internet, the modern marvels, but there are things, there is work that only God can do. There's work that only God can do. Only God can change a heart. Only God can save people from their sins. Only God, as we saw in Proverbs 16, 9, establishes our steps. Those promises that Cindy was talking about this morning, those are promises of God, promises that God can do. Only God can grow our faith. We talked about that through our Grow series. Only God can build the church only God can turn bad into good. These are roles that God plays. And we can't take his place in those. They're actions reserved only for God to do. So God leads us in the midst of the uncertain, in the midst of the unknown. Even when we feel lost, God knows the way. He's guiding us at times, telling us no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says, be still and know that I am God, as Stacy sung earlier. He just says, wait. The psalmists write these words, Psalm 25. It says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. I put that on the bottom of your sheets this morning. Make that your prayer for this week. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Why? Because they don't come natural to us. We need to learn God's ways. Teach me your paths. Because sometimes I make plans and they don't go with God's plans. 
lead me in your truth. In his truth, because how much out there right now is not true. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Why? Because he's the God of our salvation. He's the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can save. And then for you, I wait all the day long. I don't know how long Paul had to wait. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Maybe it happened that in the same night that they arrived in Troas. Maybe it took a week. I don't know. But they had to wait for God to direct them. Make that your prayer this week, that God would help us know his ways, teach us his paths, and not rely on ourselves, but trust more fully in him. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we Pray that you would help us to see clearly your involvement, see clearly when you're saying no to something, see clearly when you're saying yes. God, help us to recognize your guiding our lives. You're establishing our steps. You're giving us good works for us to accomplish. God, help us to recognize you in those things. Father, help us to follow you. Not just seeing that this is from you, but saying, I recognize this. And my steps are going to coincide with what God calls me to do. Even when we're in the midst of the unknown. Even when we're in the midst of the I don't know spaces of our lives that we're following God. That we're doing as Paul talked about. Trying to be all things to all people that I, we might win some. then help us wait on you. Help us to be still and know, recognize that you are God. You are sovereign over all of creation. You are in complete control. Even when it feels like the world is chaos, even when it feels like we don't have answers, you do and you know. Father, help us to trust you in each step. Help us to trust you as you lead us from the unknown into the known. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.